How are you? That was audience participation right there. Uh, how are you? You guys doing all right today? Good, good. Uh, my name's Steve. So great to be back here. This is kind of becoming a little home away from home. So fun. So good to be here. And uh, I love this series that you're in, Advent Conspiracy. Part of why I love it is because I love the word conspiracy. <laughs> I have to be honest. To scheme, to plot. And as it relates to Christmas, especially I love it because most of us, let's be honest, by the time January 1st rolls around, we all breathe a collective sigh of relief that it is over, that craziness that we call the Christmas season. And so Advent Conspiracy invites us to dream and plot and conspire and scheme new ways to enter into this very, very old season. So new that it might be even old, the ideas that we may come up with. And so Brad, two weeks ago, I loved it. I listened to it online, this idea of worshiping fully, to place someone in their rightful place as being superior than us. And that would be Jesus. <laughs> that he really is the perfect picture of who God is, but also of what a human being can be. The perfect picture of someone who came to give his life away and who came to engage with people as they actually are and not as they should be. Someone who came to this earth to be with us, God with us. And then last week, uh, the idea of spending less. And Brad was telling me the story. There was this family that their tradition is to get $25 gift certificates for each other. And so a bunch of people get, do this, and then they gather as a family, and then they put all these gift, gift cards, $25 each, in this bag, and then people close their eyes and, you know, oh, great, I got Amazon, awesome, oh, great, I got Chipotle, and it's 25 bucks, and it's fun, you spend a little bit. But one of them said, you guys, what if this year, instead of doing $25 gift cards, what if we totaled that amount, which was about $300, and what about if we picked someone here in Mankato that needs that 300 bucks more than we each need the 25? What about if we did that instead? And so that's what this family is doing. And that is so great. It's an example of being doers of the word, not just hearers, right? Because, you know, we all know what it's like. We've all been in church. Maybe many of us have been in church. So, oh, great sermon. Wasn't that a great sermon? It was great. Yes, it was lovely. It was Wow, that one really made me think. And I think more and more as I'm growing up into myself, what I want the response to be after a sermon that I give is, wow, that made me think so much that I realized I had to go do something. I realized I had to put one little step in front of the other and to try to move toward that which God is inviting me to be and do in this world. So we come to week three of Advent Conspiracy. And uh, this week is going to be all about giving the gift of ourselves away. Giving the gift of ourselves away. But even as I say that, I think images of what would it really mean to give myself away? How would I do that in such a way that really helps people? What is it that I have to give? And then we get caught in all this Christmas craziness, don't we? Right? So some of us. So this is going to be mass confession time, right? One of the things that's great about the church when we gather together is it's really a time to confess. It's really a time to say, here are the ways which collectively we are cracked. We're missing the mark. We're not, we're not doing it the way it ought to be done. So 
raise your hand if you're the kind of person who you're, you're going to host a party in the next 10 days and you are crafting the perfect party. Okay? Raise your hand if that is you. That is, okay, none of us are willing to confess that you are the kind of person that, man, your house is going to be spick and span. Your, your kids are already freaking out about the fact that they have to overhaul their room completely, even though no guest will ever enter that room because the rule will be your door will stay locked, <laughs> sir and madam. Okay, awesome, awesome. Well, that is some of you, and some of you are planning on giving the perfect party away. And some of you are so obsessed with giving the perfect party away that you will miss the opportunity to be with the people that are at that party. Because what's most important to you is that everyone has a great time. And what's least, or maybe further down on the list, is that you might show up to that party as a person that might engage with their guests in surprising, unexpected ways. All right, so none of you need to confess that. That is great. Perhaps some of you need to confess the fact that you are so stressed out about giving the perfect gift to the people in your lives that you, ha- you were up late last night on Amazon and it was crazy town trying to find that gift for this person that you, you don't know what to give them. And it's your husband, for crying out loud. Or it's your wife. And, and, you're, and it's so important to you to give the perfect gift that it's causing you to miss out on the moments that you're experiencing with that very person in this very season. So that's some of you. Any, any, anyone addicted to giving the perfect gift? Okay, thank you, Drew. Th- thank you for, for finally, thank you for finally admitting it. Some of us too, I, I, I think, and this is maybe many of us, we, we come into the Advent season and, you know, we've done it before and so we go, all right, God, this will be the year where I don't miss it, Right? I mean, every time the church is open, I'm going to come. And anything that people, any little Advent email that I get, I'm going to open. And every little devotional that comes my way via Advent, God, by your grace and help, I will do. Because I'm going to do this Advent perfectly for you, God. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to miss it this year. I'm going to try so hard not to miss it that I am going to miss it because I am trying so hard not to miss it. And it becomes all about what I bring to Advent instead of what God brings to the world. So, maybe that is your confession that you need to make. The question I want to ask you this morning is, what would it be like to actually give more? And by more, I don't mean more perfect gifts and not more perfect self and not more perfect promises to God to enter into Advent more fully this year. I haven't done it for 77 years, but the 78th year is going to be my year. What would it mean to give more of yourself, your imperfect, cracked, broken, messy, inconsistent self? What would it be like to give that away And see what God might do with it. Because the truth is, in Advent, what's true every year is that Jesus did come 2,000 years ago as a baby. Emmanuel, God with us, came in a barn, 
born to be the light of the world. And in the future, someday, Jesus will come again to make all things new. But every moment in between that moment and this moment is a moment in which you are pregnant with God. And God wants to be born into the world this Advent through you in every single moment. So what's it like for you to give more of that away? What would it be like for you to recognize how you are pregnant with God this season? And every moment is an opportunity to give birth to Jesus in the world so that God can be with us again. So one of my friends, her name's Maya, and uh, she participated in Black Friday this year. Went to Toys R Us at 5 a.m. Now, I'm not going to even ask you to raise your hand if you drove up to the cities to participate in Black Friday because you would not admit it because we are involved in Advent Conspiracy, which is all about spending less and doing less. And so you would never have done that, I know. Um, unless you did, of course, drive up to the Twin Cities to go to Toys R Us or Best Buy or Walmart or Target to get an iPad or something like that. Um, but she did. She went to Toys R Us because she has a son about my son's age and if you have a son about six years old, your world is Legos. I mean, that's your world. And, and you laugh, but it's true. You, your world is Legos. And Legos, the price of Legos, it can be $45 one day for a certain thing. And then the next day you go online and it's 90 bucks. It's crazy how that works. Uh, and so Black Friday is the opportunity to get your Lego sets on sale. And so she went to, to Toys R Us that day and she was there at 5 o'clock in the morning looking for her particular Lego set for her son. Now, she couldn't find it. And uh, so she went up to a worker at Toys R Us and asked him to help her find it. Now, be a worker at Toys R Us on Black Friday for a second. What kind of pictures of the human condition do you have in your mind if you are a worker at Toys R Us and you've been there all night stocking the shelves and you were there last year where pepper spray was brought out and where, you know, people were knocking each other over to get to the Lego Death Star because their kid was going to get it for Christmas before the next kid. I would imagine if I was working at Toys R Us at five in the morning, stocking shelves, and I was about to get ready to interact with people, human beings that are desperate to get what they want, I would not have a real cheery picture about what those next eight hours are going to be like. So my friend Maya asked him for help, and he got down off of his ladder, and he goes, well, what were you looking for again? Okay, that. And then he starts looking on the shelves. It's not on the shelves. He goes, okay, I, we might have it back in the stock room. So let me go check the stock room. He goes back to the stock room. She's waiting. She waits five minutes, 10 minutes. After 10 minutes, he comes running out of the back room, slow motion through the doors. He's got the Lego thing up in his arms. He's running. He's got a look on his face like he just won, you know, the Olympic trials. And, and he, his other hand is coming towards her for a high five. See this all in slow motion. The Lego in the right hand, the high five in the left. She's like, whoa, this is incredible. They high-five. I mean, they almost hug, but then they realize how inappropriate that would be because they are at Toys R Us on Black Friday, and it is 5.15 in the morning. Now, 
I have no idea the spiritual condition of this Toys R Us worker. But he saw a moment and he inhabited that moment fully. And he gave away what he had. And that is the picture of Advent that I want to present to you is the picture that we can adopt. That in your ordinary, everyday moments, that you would show up and inhabit that moment and give away what you have. And we all can do this. It's not, you know, flying to Africa, unless it is flying to Africa. It's inhabiting the moment that you find yourself in with your coworkers, with your family, with your annoying relatives who are going to, you know, take over your house this Christmas season. What, what does it mean to inhabit the moment and give more of yourself away? So uh, there's this verse in Colossians uh, that is absolutely riveting to me. And it is in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. I want to read it to you. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery of how God wants to make God known in the world across the uh, annals of time is the simple, ordinary, revolutionary idea that the light of the world actually exists inside of you. And so every place that you go, Toys R Us, Starbucks, Blimpies, your work, your living room, the kitchen as you do dishes. That's an opportunity for the light of the world to shine in the places that are otherwise shrouded in darkness. The mystery of the gospel is that Jesus, Emmanuel, comes to be in you so that he can be born through you in the world. And for you to take part in that is simply for you to say, I will occupy the moments that I find myself in and I will give away what I have because what I have is Jesus Christ inside of me. And I don't mean that you'll, you're going to take every opportunity to like preach at someone. In fact, you probably shouldn't do that. I heard this one guy say, you know, we're, we're so enthralled about being in the world for God. You know what I mean by that? We're going to be in the world for God. And he goes, what about if we were in God for the world? What about if we had the fundamental posture of being in God and we were for the world? I think that would change the attitude that we had in the moments that we find ourselves at Starbucks, at work, and your family. So what does it mean to give the gift of yourself, to be in God for the world, to occupy the moment that you find yourself in and give away what you have? Well, Jesus, was, Jesus did this all the time, and um, I'm going to ask you to turn to John chapter 11. So if you have a Bible, turn there. John 11, starting verse 32. If you have a phone that has an app on it, click on that phone with that app and open it up. However you find the Bible is great. Um, but we're going to go to John chapter 11. And, and the background of this story is that Jesus had some really good friends named Mary 
and Martha and Lazarus, and they were brothers and sisters. And so, you know, we know Mary and Martha from that tragic story that includes Mary, the perfectly saintly one who was sitting at the feet of Jesus doing the right thing, and Martha, the horrible sinner who was making meals for everybody to eat, right? And so we have this dichotomy, and you can tell in my voice, I think that we've maybe missed the point of that story uh, a little bit, but that's that Mary and that Martha and their brother Lazarus. And Mary sends word to Jesus saying, Lazarus is dying. And then she says, if you would just show up, he wouldn't die. Lord, I know that. Can you imagine having that kind of faith? I mean, that's crazy town right there. My brother's dying, but if you show up, I, I, I know he wouldn't die. So Jesus waits though, and he does die. Now be Mary, right? The one that sat at his feet, the one that studied with him. Be Mary, the person that now is disappointed by Jesus and the fact that he didn't do what she had faith in him to do. And so Mary, or Mary stays at her house and Martha goes out and finds Jesus and says, Jesus, uh, Lazarus is dead. And so um, Jesus goes toward them and um, asks for Mary, we read earlier on in the story. So Martha goes back, says to Mary, Jesus is asking for you. So Mary goes out and finds Jesus and this is what she says to him. When Mary reached the place that Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and she said, oh Lord, you're the best. You're so awesome. You're so great. Thanks for doing all. No, she poured out of her heart what was real. Lord, if you had been there, my brother wouldn't have died. And she wept. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with Mary also weeping, Jesus was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. He was agitated. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, they replied. And then we read in John 11, verse 35, that Jesus wept. What does it mean to so fully occupy a moment that you see how someone else is wrecked and instead of offering a reason why you didn't come, instead of saying, well, I got really busy, you're occupying that moment so fully that all you can do is weep. Have you ever been around someone who had the ability to do that? Into your pain, they don't offer you answers, they don't offer you advice, they don't say, oh man, that's nothing. I, I went through something even worse than that. They just weep with you. Oh, Jesus saw her weeping. And this word saw is so interesting. It's a Greek word, ido, E-I-D-O. And so some of you Greek nerds like me can write that down. It means to perceive with the eyes, which is sort of like, okay, I could have figured that one, that one out myself. It also means to notice, to discern, to discover, to pay attention to, to observe. It means to know or get knowledge of. It means to understand or perceive. If you're going to occupy the moment and give away what you have, there's a gift you need to get from God to see what's happening beneath the surface. You know what I mean by that? There's a gift that you need to get from God so that you can see what's going on beneath the surface. I met with this woman this last week and I was meeting with her because something had happened at our church where she was hurt. And her experience was that she really wasn't listened to. And so I met with her. And, um, you know, when you go into these meetings, sometimes, as a pastor, you can start building the case. Well, you know, 
this is what the church tried to do. This is how we tried to, you know, this is what we need to do. It's really complicated. You know, we can't be all things to all people. So I'm sorry you got hurt, but blah, 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 blah. You ever been there? <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, thankfully, um, instead of doing the blah, 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 I just said, now my understanding is, is that you were hurt. Can you tell me what happened? And I mean, almost immediately she just started crying. So I know. What does it mean to occupy the moment so that you can see, okay, this is bigger than just this one moment where she got hurt. She started pouring out her story about how she had left a church about 10 years ago that she'd been horribly hurt and she'd found a place in our church where she didn't feel hurt and now it was happening again. So, oh no, this place where she thought was different maybe wasn't different at all. And so what was a little problem, all of a sudden when I pulled the thread a little bit became this huge thing. What does it mean to occupy a moment to where you can see, whoa, 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 this is way bigger. And then instead of offering solutions, instead of offering, this is what I would do, instead of offering, well, this is what I did do when I was in a situation just like you, what does it mean then to weep? To weep. What does it mean to occupy the moment so fully that you don't have to fix it that you don't have to match it with your own experience, that you can just be in it. So Jesus sees Mary weeping and he weeps right along with her. The other thing I noticed about the story is that Jesus went where they were. Do you remember that in the text? So Jesus said, where have you laid him? And then he goes to the grave site. So if you're going to occupy the moment fully with people that really need the light of the world into their dark places, you're going to need to go where they are. Do you know what I mean by that? So like sometimes you invite people into your environment. Hey, come to my office. Hey, come to my lunch spot, my favorite lunch spot where I feel comfortable. Come onto my home court so that I can help you according to my rules. But I think if we really want to offer the gift of ourselves, sometimes we're going to need to go where they are. Sometimes we're going to need to do the uncomfortable thing of saying, I care about you so much that I'm not going to ask you to come meet me where I am. I'm going to go where you are. I met with a younger guy this week, and um, it was so weird. Like a, a, a couple weeks ago, I hadn't seen him for a while, but his face just kept popping into my mind, right? And I hadn't really thought about him for a while. And so I ended up calling him, and I go, um, you know, Ben, I don't know, it's so weird, but your, your, your face keeps popping into my mind, and I don't, I don't know why, but would you like to meet? And he goes, man, Steve, that's so weird. I've, I've been really struggling. I'd love to meet. So I, we, we met at this coffee shop near his house, and we started talking about him and life and God and spirituality and church and all that stuff. And my church is about 20 miles away from where he lives, so he doesn't come to my church. And he said this thing to me. He goes, Steve, I just want to thank you for coming to where I am. Thank you. Now, I could have said, hey, you know, why don't you come to my church? And that would have been fine, you know, come to my church. I mean, that's a good thing to invite people to our church, right? It's a great thing. We, we ought to do that. But sometimes we need to go meet people where they are. So what does it mean to see people and occupy the moment by noticing what's happening? And then what does it mean to sometimes go meet them where they are and not feel the pressure to fix it and not feel the pressure, you know, to match their experience, but just to meet them where they are? Do we believe, you guys, that the Christ in us 
might meet them where they are. Can we trust that the Christ in us will give them what they need when we do the courageous thing of simply showing up? And that's part of what this Advent conspiracy is all about. Will we do the revolutionary, crazy, ordinary thing of showing up and occupying the moments in which we find ourselves, believing that the Christ in us will actually meet the other person where they need to be met? Now I think um, what we could say is this, okay, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that, I'm, 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 I'm all about that, I'm going to do that thing. And then so you get ready, right, to go occupy the moment and be where people are at. And then our, our, our human nature is so tricky this way, right, that we're going to do that, we're going to do it perfectly. I mean, we are going to get up at four in the morning and have an hour-long devotion to make sure we have something that we can give to someone else in case we find somebody needs. So we're, you know, okay, we're, we're, okay, we're, is this the moment? Is this the moment, God? All right, here we go, here we go, here we go. Hey, I was reading the Bible this morning and ah, we're gonna do it perfectly and we need just to say, no. In fact, can we just raise our right hands together and say, we will not give perfect gifts this Christmas. Can we say that? Can, can we actually do that? We will not give perfect gifts this Christmas, not even ourselves. And so read this, I think, beautiful, beautiful two verses in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 7 and 8. But this beautiful treasure, and it is beautiful, this beautiful treasure is contained in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. We, and us, here's the description of us, me and you, the church, the church, and me and you, cracked pots made of earth and clay, so that the transcendent character of this power will be clearly seen as coming from God and not from us. And the point of that is not for us all to go around and, and some of them might say, hey, thank you. And then we would say, hey, that's not me. It's all God. Like, that's not the point. That's kind of sort of false humility. The point is to show your cracks, show your messiness, show the areas that, man, you, 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 your, your cheese is sliding off the cracker, as Brennan Manning says that you are absolutely not all that you should be and not even close. And the church, not all of it should be and not even close. We're so far from where we need to be, but the beauty is when we can show our cracks, the light gets out, amen? The light that's in us has the opportunity to finally get out. This is the greatest paradox of the gospel, that God is looking for people who are imperfect and broken and messy and cracked so that the glorious, transcendent, beautiful, perfect character of Jesus can meet people where they are in ways that we'll never know. Amen? I mean, this is the gospel and the invitation for you and I this Advent is to be cracked, be messy. Be broken. Don't clean yourself up. But recognize the Christ in you that wants to be born into this world moment by ordinary moment. And all we need to do is simply pay attention to where God wants to invite us. Little, ordinary, small ways. And you know what is great about this invitation is that you and I can actually do this. We can enter into this. 
as long as we don't try to do it perfectly. The ironic thing is no one likes a perfect person, right? I mean, no one even enjoys being with the perfect person. I mean, we hate it, right? We hate it when we feel like we're sitting across the table from someone who, whoop, oh yes, of course, I, am, I have all my Christmas presents bought and wrapped and ready and under the tree and it's all good and my, and my family's all good and my house is all good and it's all good. It's just all good. It's great. But that's what we feel like we have to be. Can we break that picture? Can we just say, that is not the gospel. That is not Christianity. That is not even helpful. Don't be perfect. It's totally obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, you can clap for that. You can. The Lord of this universe is looking to occupy imperfect people like me and you so that he can save people, not you. And that's the gospel, and that's the invitation for this Advent. So I want to give you 30 seconds just to sit. I've been yelling for about 30 minutes. So let's take 30 seconds for you just to sit and go, okay, God, okay, God, here you are, here I am. What do you got for me? Okay, can we do that? God, here I am, here you are. What do you got for me? And just reflect. Let's ask God to come in this moment and just give you one little, one little sweet little thing that you need to hear right now. Yeah, we thank you that we can be completely us. The persons that you created us to be, cracked, flawed. And when we do that, we open ourselves up to letting the light shine out of us in ways that we could never imagine. So form in us as a community the ability to see what's really happening so that we can move toward where other people are at and give beautiful gifts away, gifts of ourselves. And God, we give you um, all, we just give you all the glory for whatever might happen for the good. And we thank you for inviting us to partner with you in it. Thank you for coming. Thank you for inhabiting our lives and this community so that we can give birth to what's really, really good in this world. In your name, amen.